Hello everybody, welcome to the 27th episode of the On The Line Tennis Podcast. It's me, Jack, and my co-host. Gavin, yes, another exciting week of tennis. First week yes. of open done, done and dusted now. Lots to talk about, lots to dive into, so uh, let's get straight to it, I think. Indeed, yeah, this is the sort of midweek recap after one week of tennis. We've finished the fourth rounds. We're going to take you through everything that's happened in the first four, at least the most interesting things. Let's dive right into it. Start with a, a funny moment. Mm-hmm. Just Medvedev in general, actually. I was going to say Medvedev v Cressy, but he's been quite funny all week. One of the reasons he's been so funny, I mean, Kyrgios, speaks for itself. If you haven't seen the Kyrgios Medvedev match, just go watch it back. Absolutely brilliant. Did you see any of that, Gav? Saw all of it, yeah. It was a great, great watch. You know, I was actually surprised that Kyrgios pushed Medvedev in the way that he did. It just shows you how much talent he's got despite barely hitting the tennis ball over the past mm-hmm. year or so. And again, it's just testament to how Medvedev deals with the pressure now and the, the crowd were on his back and um yeah he had a lot to say afterwards it. yeah he did have a lot to say afterwards he certainly vocalized his point i thought it was good yeah i think it was one of the matches most enjoyable matches of the tournament so far to watch on the men's side good always good to see that contrast in styles and uh just shows you how much Medvedev's come on mentally i think very impressed with his resolve with his performance and i think he i think he's definitely the favorite to win the title for sure Definitely, yeah. Nick said after the match he would have beaten 95% of the players on tour with that level, apparently. Shame yeah. playing Medvedev, obviously, to the, five, the other 5%. Anyway, well, it was a really good match, just you know, for entertain, pure entertainment value. There was one volley Kyrgios got when he must have had about 0.1 of a second to react. Mm-hmm. Medvedev just hitting it straight at him. and it, He almost tired himself out running around the, the arena yeah, like, in celebration. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very funny. Against Cressy as well, I was going to say Medvedev had a bit of a funny moment, apparently. So he was quite honest after the match. During the fourth set, I mean, I think he got his ninth break point. He converted his ninth break point of that set, so it took him a long time to finally sort of close out the match. But midway through the set, he he screamed, this is boring, Yeah. so that Cressy was here. I admitted after the match he was trying to get in Cressy's head. He said he wasn't proud of it, to be fair. It wasn't his proudest moment, but... I don't know. I think that's just... I think that's good, actually. I think it shows that he's, you know, he's trying to do everything possible to win. Okay, maybe you might say it's against the spirit of the game, but come on, these guys are competing for Grand Slam titles. It's, you know, it's. I think it's fine. You know, people moan, oh, it's against the spirit of the game, but nah, for me, it's fine. I mean, Chris is a big boy. He should be able to deal with that now. He should be able to handle it. And uh, mm. just part of, you know, Medvedev's character, he's, I think he is one of the most likable players because he is honest. You know, he's not putting on a facade. It's unfiltered. You know, it's, you never get a boring press conference with him never get a boring match with him um and he's you know he's unique to watch and i think that's good for the sport going forward mm-hmm. sensational passing shot as well in the second set to save a set point mm-hmm. after cressy slice approached almost almost took that set and it could have been dangerous obviously yeah with him having taken the third and having had chances in the fourth yeah i mean could have been a lot stickier but Absolute credit to Medvedev for taking that match because that was a, that was the one I was worried about. Yeah, that I was think, a banana skin, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think he'll be the favourite for the next two, even if it's Sinner in the semis. It's Felix in the quarters. Mm-hmm. We'll see, obviously, but yeah, yeah. definitely the favourite. I would say by a fair stretch. Next thing I wanted to go into could be funny, or it could just be really depressing for us, Gav. But I was going to go through our misses and our wins on the predictions. Just run yeah. through them very quickly. For me, one of my Absolute worst one. Sasnovich lost in the first round to qualifier. Can win Zeng. I yep, thought she was going to get to the quarters. This is all quarterfinal predictions, by the way, guys, listeners. 
Goff lost in the first round to Chang Wong. <sighs> that one was terrible. Samsonova lost in the second to Von Drusova. Fine. Murray lost to Daniel in the second. Less said the better. Mm-hmm. RBA lost to Fritz in the third. Close one, to be fair. My most proud prediction that I got that one right, actually. But Yeah, yeah, yeah that, was, that was good. Gav, Kasatkina lost in the third to Shontek. Inevitably, yeah. maybe, in, in hindsight. Inevitably. Yeah, inevitably, in hindsight, yeah. yeah. Zachary lost to Pegula in the fourth. Very close. Oh, that was going to be a close match, I think. Yeah. You know, with the women's stuff, you can never be too disappointed because it's like you're either yeah. going to be really, really hit or really miss. It's more uh, Magnificent Marin missing out on the... On his title charge that I'm most disappointed with. I mean, I did predict yeah. to get him to get to the second week. I mean, Scott Morrison did everything possible to get to the second week. So. You didn't. You didn't say he would get to the quarters. To be no, fair. I didn't. I, I did yeah. stop short of that. But uh, so actually, you got that perfect. He beat Rublev, and I did Felix have a brief moment on Sunday. On Sunday yesterday, when I thought to myself, you know, he could win the title here, and I was kind of getting into the realms of way getting way far too far ahead of myself. Then three a.m. this morning, it was just dashed, but. Um, no, I mean, Alcaraz would be a disappointing one for me, but again, he almost came through Berrettini, and had he beaten Berrettini, I think he would have beaten Quirinio Busta, so it's one of these things where I think it was a justified prediction, justified pick that Alcaraz could get to the semis. But yeah, definitely. I'm, getting, get on to, I'm, get, I'm getting on to all of them, Gav, to be fair. Mm. I've got a few more. I was going to say Teichman as well, lost to Azarenka badly in the second, Gav, I'm afraid. Yeah, was a bad defeat, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very Bedosa bad. to Keys in the fourth. <laughs> Fine. Keys was just... <laughs> Uh, Sabalenka to Kanepi in the fourth round yeah. I'll get on to that in a bit that's fine, that's a different story Fritz, I'm surprised you got to the fourth gap so that was a good call to be fair Fritz to Tsitsipas in the fourth round I thought Fritz was going to beat him and maybe arguably should have beaten him, that was a real chance for him today but, Again, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get on to to be fair mm-hmm. and then both of us predicted these ones Ripikina and Halep, one injured, the other in a tight match to Corny, again I'll get on to that in a bit yep. and Alcaraz and Rublev as well yeah. Who we just mentioned? Oh, and Zverev lost the chapel on the fourth. Yeah, no big, no biggie that one. Yes, no biggie exactly. Okay. And then okay, wins. This is the ones we actually got, Gav. Yeah. So I, I called Krejcikova and Schwantek. I'll take mm-hmm. them. That's fine. Then we both called Barty, Nadal, Sinner, Medvedev, and Felix. Not bad. Not bad. It's not bad. It's a not strike bad. rate of thirty-eight percent between us, <laughs> well, which isn't. It's not terrible. It's not terrible. Not terrible. But better. not not anything to write home about. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah, could do better. First category I was going to dive into was the best tactics or just tactics of note over the last week. So the first one I wanted to talk mm. about was Verev v. Chapel. Yeah. <laughs> and the controversy surrounding that. So after he lost, after Zverev lost to Chapel, I made a tweet basically saying, when do we start admitting there is a possibility that Zverev might not win a slam? A lot of people agreed with me, to be, to be fair. But mm-hmm. one man who didn't agree with me was Andy Roddick. And Andy Roddick has tweeted back to me after I called him out. And he says, it, amicably, I'll just add, he wasn't angry or anything. You know, he was just being very but friendly. He wasn't angry. He seems to be angry all the time when somebody disagrees with him. No, no, you, you know, we're besties now. He's just talking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You replacing me in the podcast. Today, <laughs> well, he did say he'd make a bet with me and it's very... Of, I'm wondering what the stakes will be, basically. But he said he'd make the bet that Zverev would win a slam. I'm thinking that should be the stake. He comes on the pod comes if he loses. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. I mean, that, would be for, that wouldn't be for like 10 years unless Zverev <laughs> retires, obviously. So <laughs> it's not the best bet. You want to do a Beyond Borg and just pack it in, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Hopefully. Fingers crossed. So I, I, I was inclined to... 
to agree with what he said, he basically said it's it's a matchup problem rather than a best of five problem. So partly agree with him. I, I did, there's definitely a matchup problem here in that Zverev's best shot is his backhand. Mm-hmm. Swinging lefty serve to the backhand, return into Shapo's forehand. Shapo's forehand is, well, his serve plus forehand might be, in my opinion, one of the sort of best five in the game. Like when it's definitely on. Definitely one of the most effective when it's on, but it's the big yeah. thing to note there is when it's on. Because when mm-hmm. it's not on, it's self-destruct. But when it's on, it's on. Yeah, and he's getting closer and closer to, to, to having it be on because he's not just being aggressive all the time. He, I don't know if you know if you saw the match, Gav, but he was block returning a lot of his returns, so he wasn't absolutely killing every return he got. He was yeah, making... His return position was a wee bit further back. I think he's very of himself, so he'd never seen mm-hmm. Shapovalov stand as far back as that before. Um, yeah. I was very impressed. I thought it showed some some of the most discipline I've seen Chapovalov show in a match as well. He wasn't, you're right, he wasn't just swinging for the fences all the time. He was more controlled. He had a plan. And he executed it, and he played very well. So, fair mm-hmm. play. I mean, what did you make? Of, what did you make of the Boris Becker quote? Did you hear about that? And he was criticising Zverev for his lack of effort. Did you hear about no, that? I didn't see that actually. Did you hear about that? Oh, he said that on Eurosport. Basically, he was criticising him for his lack of effort and his ability when he wasn't playing well. He should have still put in more into the match. So you give him a pretty, quite a lot of stick, which I thought was quite harsh, but. I, I kind of agree. I don't know. I, maybe he's not not putting in effort, but certainly when he's playing bad, his forehand gets very loopy and slow, and <coughs> it's the sort of shot massive, that yeah, Chapo could just run around constantly. Mm. <coughs> and then the second serve was was shit from start to finish, and that's the one that I've been talking about. Basically, it's it's been much more vulnerable against top ten players, top twenty players, even two in double slams. serving for the second set, wasn't it? Two doubles. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. I mean, like against anybody else. So it's very second serve ones at slams in 2021, 53% versus top 20 in 21, 44.9%, drop off mm-hmm. of 8.1%. The only member of the top 10 with a bigger drop off is Andre Rublev. It's, and his second serve is, is weak for a different reason. It's not so much pressure. It's, you know, he just doesn't have a strong second serve. Yeah, he doesn't Zverev, have a powerful one. Yeah, yeah. Zverev does have a strong second serve. Mm but it doesn't show up in the big matches. It doesn't accelerate at times in the ball. He exactly. doesn't really have confidence in it. Uh, I think it's a mental issue, really. I think uh, we were saying off air that um, he needs to get a new coach. I think new voice in his corner. A fresh perspective, definitely. Mm. For, for the record, I still think it's odds on that he will win a slam. This is well, what I was saying in my tweet. I, I think he will, 100%. I'm going my, my, a, my, my tweet just was, there's not a 100% chance. Yeah, definitely. That's well. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Gav maybe disagrees, but we'll see. Percent chance for anyone to win a slam, but uh, no, of course, of course. Yeah, but I think I, I think, think he's going to win three to five. That was my prediction. It shouldn't be spoken about like it's an inevitability because how he's mm. playing at the moment, no way. And who knows? You know, like there's a chance he doesn't overcome that hurdle. Like we'll see. As soon as he comes up against a, a strong player at a slam, eleven thirteen. That's the, you know, that's the stat. <laughs> Just saying, we can move on from Zverev now. Okay. Should hire you as a motivational speaker to him, like. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give him the facts, you know. I would be, I'd be harsh but fair. Mm. Next one I want to talk about is Svontek v Sustea today. What a stressful match, and I've got some reasons behind it. I think tactically, at five nine and a half, Sustea is quite a tall player, able to deal with Svontek's kick serve better than most. And anybody I've seen actually lacing backhand returns to Schwantek's toes down the line, just anywhere, absolutely destroying it. Schwantek didn't adjust the direction of our second serve throughout the match, and I, I don't know, maybe you know, maybe she knows better than me, and she did come through the match fine, but she won second twenty four percent of her second serve points, and the only reason 
she came through. It was an 11 minute game at the start of the third set. She came through, saving four break points, all first serves. So that's sort of top 10 stuff. You know, it's the pressure play that got her through, not the tactical choices she made. And I think maybe she's quite lucky to have come through as easily as that. Potentially, but that's what Grand Slam champions do, isn't it? I mean, that's of course, yeah, of course. Control. Just, I, I thought it was something worthy of note. Definitely, you know, I've, maybe next time she plays her, it'll be a lot easier because our coaches will be able to tell her what to do. But yeah, very, very good one to get through, and she was very emotional afterwards. Obviously, I think it took a lot of effort. So yeah, yeah. Uh, last one I want to talk about. I've got a bit of this in the blog as well, so there's a bit more information on it uh, on there, but. Uh, I'll cover it very quickly. Towson v Contivate. Contivate succeed, obviously. Got knocked out by the former Australian Open junior champion, Clara Towson. Towson? Towson? Still don't know. Our, uh, our name pronunciation isn't on the WT website. I always check that so I don't make a fool of myself, but it's not there. So, <laughs> Towson. I'll say Towson because that's how they say it on TV. But the commentators are normally wrong, so <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Uh, yeah, Tosin was able to rush Contivate's forehand really easily. She didn't aim for the forehand side necessarily. She aimed for the right hip of Contivate. So basically trying to jam her up on the forehand. So it takes time away from the, the opponent. You, you, you sacrifice angle for pace. Mm-hmm. Doing that sort of forces a lot more errors. So that's why it looked like Contivate was particularly off that day. But really, she was just getting a lot of crazily fast backhand returns straight to the body or straight to the right hip anyway. Because if it was to the backhand, she'd be a lot more solid. Just a really interesting play from Tosin. Got to the point where she was hitting the ball so well, she just scrapped the tactics, apparently. She said after the match and just obliterated every ball almost in her own, own words, paraphrasing a bit, but that is what she said. She just mm-hmm. went for every shot. So quite interesting to see tactical play develop into Move Tablenka. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway, yeah, that's why Contivate is at the tournament. Quite yep. interesting. Obviously, Australia pretty lively conditions not Contivate's favourite conditions to play in but still a good, very good one for Tosin definitely mm-hmm. right, next one Gav I'm sure you'll love talking about this most grit Berrettini v Alcaraz yes what a match that was what a match I mean mm-hmm. you've got to give credit to both players really A Berrettini fast immediately out the block 6-2 first set you know played unbelievably well served really well um, but then you've also got to give credit to Alcaraz because he didn't, you know, totally fold under the pressure. You know, two sets loved down, it would have been easy for players his age to just completely collapse and just admit, okay, I'm not winning today, it's not my day. Um, but he, he fought really hard. And I, I, I sort of, I don't like this final set tiebreak. I'm not going to lie. I'm just not a big fan. I, I like the win by two games. I just think it's mm-hmm. nonsense that we do champions tiebreak. It's like back to junior tennis, you know, God. I mean, so it's, it's like... Only the French that does that now, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's a shame. I mean, I just... Oh, no, mm-hmm. I just don't. I think when you've got such a good match like that, I think it's just a cheap way to end. As if, oh well, we'll just do a ten-point tie-break to finish it. I just mm-hmm. don't see what the rush is. I mean, yeah, there was that situation at Wimbledon a couple of years ago with the Kevin Anderson John isn't about how many matches are you going to see like that throughout, you know, the year? Very few. So it's like I think they've just overcompensated there a wee bit. Um, yeah, unbelievable match and fair play to Berrettini in the big moments in that tie-break. He was a stronger player. He thoroughly mm. deserved to win, and you know he's still in the tournament. He's got Mumphy's next in the quarters, so um, he'd maybe put him as the favourite to win that. And who knows? I would definitely. Yeah, I would, yeah, sure. So, yeah, unbelievable match. Um, yeah, I've got a bit more on it as well. Just mm-hmm. interesting that okay, after Alcaraz had his sort of initial blip for a set and a half, also just didn't look like he couldn't win. You know, he just kept going, didn't get his head yep. down. 
love the guy's attitude so much. It's uh, honestly it's refreshing. It's jealous. Him in a way, isn't it? Like, just yeah, it is. It is. You're yeah, right. Head down. That's true. Um, still refreshing after sort of next gen. <laughs> not really unfair to say Sitsipas, Verev, Mevdev, Rublev all kind of mm. have a history of getting petulant. a lot of yeah. yeah exactly being a bit yeah. petulant yeah so it's, it's pretty refreshing Sinner and Alcaraz leading the new way and maybe Felix we'll see well certainly he is actually at the moment I think that's fair to say you mm. know. oh 100% yeah yeah anyway though yeah Alcaraz 58% of his ground strokes were forehands 43% of Berrettini's were forehands mm-hmm. he was dictating the play from the back of the court over and over again the fact that Berrettini managed to come through this I don't know if the guy's underrated in terms of pressure play but Saved the most break points last year in mm-hmm. terms of percentage. Continues to do it during this tournament. Mm-hmm. Lands first serves when he needs them. Yep. He does not really choke matches like ever. It's true. Yeah, which is makes it you know even worse. That I predicted Alcaraz to beat him, but <laughs> no, I thought I thought he was that. Well, you see all that. I mean, it's yeah. They won the same amount of points, Gav. One hundred fifty nine to one hundred fifty nine. I know. So um, it's yeah, not a bad yeah. guess. I actually think Bertini's win over Camino Busta very quickly as well. I mean, straight sets over a player like Camino Busta, that's impressive in itself, you know, on a hard court. You know, that's Camino Busta's best surface. So yeah. to be able to come through that in straight sets, that's really good. Yeah, yeah, that's a massive deal, exactly. He becomes the first Italian since Adriano Panatta to reach eight forefronts at a major. Yeah. Clips is Fabio Fanini's seven. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, and well, the only guy to beat him in the majors last year was Djokovic, and he's no longer. Well, obviously he's not in Australia. We've covered that. Um, yeah. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe he, imagine he goes on to win it. Second one I want to talk about is Manorino v Karatsev. Oh, what a match! <laughs> beautiful, absolutely <laughs> beautiful. Talk. I'll give I'll give the listeners some stats before you dive into the beauty. Manorino v Karatsev in four hours and thirty eight minutes over four fucking sets, like unreal. Twenty two on. Unf- 22 unforced errors for Manorino, so mm. that's approximately one every 13 minutes, one every 16 points. <laughs> unreal, unreal, yeah. actually unreal. Manorino, one of the softest hitters on tour. Karatsev, mm-hmm. one of the biggest hitters on to- tour. Manorino strings his rackets to about 11 kilograms. Very so... flat backhand as well. Mm-hmm. The Boy style. The tension on the racket is about half, it's less than half of a normal pro's racket. Mm-hmm. It's insane that he gets consistent control on the ball. It requires insane timing, hand-eye coordination. It's so flat over the net. It's it's just it's actually really nice to watch when he's mm-hmm. playing his best, definitely because he yep. countered some of Karatsev's attacks with really really well placed shots. Mm-hmm. So he defies the laws of gravity. He's insane. Found it hilarious that that was being played at like two in the morning as well. Like just that style yeah. of tennis, it was just hilarious. Like it's so fun. <laughs> just Karatsev gradually loses shit as the match goes on. It's just oh, it was hilarious. Because like it, I, you get it, I guess. Like when you play someone who hits the ball soft and you, you know, you're trying to hit hard, you can't, you just can't get into rhythm. Because like mm-hmm. they just keep you know massaging everything back. They're not giving you any pace to work on. And uh, it was quite clear that he was just getting into Karatsev's head. Really good to watch, and just shows you different styles can succeed. In tennis, you don't just yeah. be a big, massive hitter. You can be someone that hits the ball with not much pace, but if you're consistent, you can get results. Definitely, yeah. I loved watching it. It was, it was a bit refreshing, as you say, on at like two in the morning. So a lot of people probably watching that, thinking, "What is this fever dream I've just walked into?" It's yeah. absolutely like <laughs> absolutely mad because <laughs> it was quite surreal tennis at times. It was. It was good. It was good fun. It was. Last one in the. Grit section I want to talk about is Halep v Corny. Corny 
makes her first quarterfinal on her 63rd attempt at a slam. Ever, yeah, had, yeah. had been in five forefronts previously, losing to Safina, Bouchard, Svitolina, Garcia and Peronkova. Finally comes through one against Hallett. Did you, mm-hmm. you see any of it, Gav? Yeah, set the break up as well. And then I thought when she lost the second set, uh, you know, this is the tide's going to change. Breaks, breaks are moot against Halep, to be fair. Yeah, but, yeah. but I mean, when you're in that position mentally, I just thought from a mental perspective, this is your, you think you've got a chance to close it out and reach your first quarter final. You know, it's a big deal, you know, as you say, first quarter mm-hmm. final. Well, she dipped, Gav. I don't know if you know that, but she lost 16 points in a row to lose the second set. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's when I thought it was falling off a cliff. I thought it could be like a 6-1 or 6-2 to Halep in the final set mm-hmm. and very quick finish, and it wasn't. So, fair play to her for holding it together. Quite interesting. I could put this in tactics, but quite interesting the tactics from Corinna going into the match in that she was quite willing to wait out Halep. And actually, Halep won the majority of the points in 0-4 to four shots, the majority of the points in 5-8 to eight shots, but it was the longer rallies for Corny was mm-hmm. the one that was dominant, 63% of the points, which is quite big. And it was about when the points came as well. It basically made a difference to all the important games that, that Corny won. Able to dig in so well defensively. She's a really good counterpuncer. Massive backhands when she needed them. But also very brave to come in against a player like Simona Halep and say, I'm going to out-defend against you. Like, yeah, I, th- I think that's very exciting tactics. defenders in the game as well. Like, have that yeah. Brave, you're right, but bold. But it worked, it paid off. It, it did work. Yeah, yeah. Apart from when it, everything just unraveled for yeah, I mean, a was, wee while, but yeah, I thought it was me in the court for about sixteen points at the end of that set. There, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it cool. was pre- it was a massive drop off, so it was really good to see her come through. Potential lower ranked players—that's the next category I want to talk about. I've just got the one player in here because Madison Keys has not put a foot wrong the whole tournament. Mm-hmm. Serving and returning insanely well. The serving in particular is just a joke. Didn't even give Bedosa in particular a look in. I mean, it was just, it was a hammering. All of our kick serves were getting hammered. All of Bedosa's spinnier shots were getting insanely rushed. Just, I mean, Keys was just destroying the ball. I think the fact the conditions were so quick just wasn't in Bedosa's favour. Mm-hmm. Anybody would have got blown off the court that day. She is up against Krejcikova next. What do you think? Ooh, that's an interesting matchup, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think... I mean, to be fair, I don't think I had Krejcikova really to get this far. For some, um, I think I must have been mad the night that we were doing the predictions, but um, I think she can do it, Keys. You know, she's got that firepower that she's certainly going to cause Krejcikova a hell of a lot of problems. You know, I think mm-hmm. certainly going to go three sets, but I don't know. I, I think you're right. I think Keys is just playing. It seems to all be coming together at the moment, and um, I think she'll come through. It's a bold prediction. Interesting. Yeah. I mean... It's really just about Keys, to be honest, because Keys would be anybody playing at her best, in my opinion. I think she's got maybe the biggest or highest peak in the women's game. Mm-hmm. Krejcikova, if there's any pressure whatsoever, I've said it once, I'll say it again, Krejcikova is the queen of pressure, honestly. I don't think... I honestly, it. statistically, there's not actually anybody better than her. Maybe Barty, just, you know, given that she's done it in bigger moments, you know, like, more often. But at the same time... Kredjikova has saved more break points. She's got a higher percentage of break points converted. She is the pressure player at the moment. So if there's yeah. any pressure on Keys, Kredjikova will win. So I don't know. Keys has done it before. She got to that final, obviously, at the US Open five years ago. Could yeah. happen again. Could do it again. Absolutely. Yeah. So maybe when she's in this mood, I'd be tempted to go with Keys. I'm going Keys. Great minds think alike. So 
same production. But I'm going to go crouch cover. I'm, I'm, t- I'm changing it at the end, Gav. I don't know. I'm undone my narrative there. Because sometimes I say these things and then I'm like, I'm going to change my mind anyway. I'm going to listen to myself. I'm going to go crouch cover. Yeah. yeah. I, I, we'll see. It'll be interesting to talk about this when it's done, actually, Gav, because I've, I've really got no idea how it's going to go. Yep. Right, next category I want to talk about is biggest saves. There are quite a few. Mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks some of the biggest ones though and probably the story of the tournament i suppose so far anissa mova knocking out naomi osaka be match points down yeah two match points down yeah yeah it was because of the aspect of osaka's game that was kind of failing her the whole match her returns for it looks good to be honest but statistically it was actually pretty poor 39 percent of second serve points one second serve return points one sorry lowest average for the top 50 last year was 54 percent. so you get an idea of how good you have to be performing to do well at second serve return that's nowhere near the worst top 50 average of of last year so Mm -hmm. yeah seven of 30 returns one she got the chance to hit and there was eight double faults so she won more points on double faults than she did on return yeah, if that makes sense, yeah. like actually winning a point on return mm-hmm. rather than Anisimova losing a point yeah. on serve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, that really bad day at the office for Osaka in that respect, but everything else was, was really good. So that's why it was so close. You know, she, she was playing really well apart from the return. I don't think any of us predicted her to win the tournament anyway because of the injuries coming in and the fact that she was a bit under yeah. match wise. So I think. Yeah. I mean, Alex did in our last podcast. Alex to did, to be fair, but. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> apart from Alex. <laughs> I mean, Alex. yeah. We didn't. We we mm-hmm. were right to be doubtful. I think she's not still not quite at her best. I thought. Mm-hmm. It honestly, was just that aspect though. The rest was pretty good. She served pretty well and stuff. Yeah. So, no. Absolutely. Uh, really clutch from Anisimova though. She did end up losing to Barty, but that was the closest match Barty's had so far. Mm, no straight shame. Se- straight sets, but you know, still. Asaka will now drop to eighty-four in the world. That's what happens when you don't play so many tournaments. Well, obviously, yeah, yeah, quite right. But there's also other players as well who will, uh, after the Australian Open, yeah, yeah, 244 in the world now, 461 for Venus, 94 for Kennan, 39 for Andrescu. Next one I want to talk about, Gav, Felix V. Cilic. Oh, the heartbreak. It's bringing back the horrific memories of half three in the morning this morning, just getting up and the hopes being dashed. The worst way to start the day is just that second set tie break. And I knew it actually when I was watching it. I thought, if he doesn't win this tie break, we're in trouble here. And I'm sure all Marin fans held their breath with excitement when he when he got a mini break up in that tie break. But I kind of knew in the back of my mind it's one mini break and it is Marin Church and that forehand will break down at some point. And it did break down and he lost that second set. And from then on in, it was kind of, yeah, this is just not going to go well. And, you know, when you think of the elation of Saturday, the the, the hope of Saturday, you know, I think I sent you the message, the classic message of uh, it's Marin Cilic's world. We were all just living in it. I was that pumped up and that excited mm. watching that performance, and it just went down the toilet a wee bit after that second set today. Um, but uh, fair enough, I think. Was, you know, he played so well on Saturday. Like if you watch that back, how well? I don't think I've seen Cilic play that well in three, four years. It was that good a performance. I mean, it, it really was awesome. Like this is old Marin. This is like twenty fourteen Marin's comeback. You know, but. Yeah, it was, I think it was a good, all in all, good tournament for Chilich. A good sign for the Chilich fans out there, the many that I'm sure there are. Um, mm-hmm. Good hope for the rest of the season. Yeah. FA, I'm, I'm giving them a few bonus points in the mental strength scale now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've rated them pretty decently before this match, but seriously, the guy needs some plaudits now because it's getting a joke. You yeah. know, after ADF and Rusevori at the start of the week, 
both matches he lost more points against them. He mm-hmm. came back the next day and destroyed Dan. Oh, he destroyed like, Dan, like properly destroyed Dan. Yeah, like the guys, the guy's still got a few weaknesses in his game, like mm-hmm. no kick second serve, backhand a little technically flawed, but he's making yeah. up for it in spades, like carrying mm-hmm. out patterns of play so easily and performing clutch under pressure. Mm-hmm. I just think it's it's too much to ignore and yeah, a hype around him for me. I've been bigging him up for a while, so I'm glad he's coming through. I'm getting on the hype train, Gav. I've, yeah, you know. Like third straight slam advancing to the quarters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. I, this guy's the real deal. I did say when he wins another title, that will just open the floodgates at tour level. So yeah, yeah. But I'm, who cares about tour level? Let's just uh, keep keep the semi-finals coming. ATP two fifty to a right. Down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's put that on the back burner. Oof, who wouldn't want to be a slam man over being a tour man? It's very. Yeah. I'm in the ATP 250s there. Tennis TV won't be happy. You don't want sell subscriptions. <laughs> Sorry, Tennis TV. Absolutely. Absolutely. Final one I wanted to talk about. What yeah. have I got this under again? Biggest saves. Yeah, biggest saves is, is fair. But at the same time, Kaya Kanepi almost... She had to save herself from losing it, I guess, rather than yeah, Sabalenka from winning it. Yeah, yeah. she was, was 40 love up at 5-4. Four match points before Sabalenka sort of clawed it back. Like, mm. literally, it was it's a grim match, man. It was, it was, some of it was really, really hard to watch. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they brought it to a super tie-break. There was even a moment Kanepi went up 9-7 in a super tie-break and she celebrated, like, fist bumps and stuff. She was certain she'd won the match. Uh, then, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I've watched since the past, so... <laughs> I was just refreshing that on my phone, but... Uh... Yeah. She won the next point and you know it was all good. Kenefi was playing ITF events last year. Mm-hmm. Like she has I don't know I, I, she she has got that X factor definitely you know she, she's always been one that can upset players at any point in tournaments. She's 36 years old now so she has made her first quarter final at the Australian Open having made all three other quarter finals. The last one uh, so she had made all three, by the way, by 2010. Yeah, yeah. So she completed all four 12 years later. Well, Crazy story. <laughs> I know, yeah, better later than never. Quite right. She'll be looking to make her first semi final, though, having made six quarterfinals in the past. Mm. So, big, big match for her coming up. Sabalenka's run really had to come to an end because it was getting a bit of a joke. 46 <laughs> double faults over six matches. All three of them went to a third set. I mean, well, Jesus your luck's going to run out eventually, for sure. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of work to do for her, but I mean, the fact that she got to the forefront is is actually very, very impressive. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. <laughs> Final one, sits fast beats Fritz. I didn't, likewise, I didn't see this because I was watching this match. So, oh. Yeah, it was an um, interesting match. To be fair, the same problems with sits pass and the return of serve. You know, he struggles in that backhand. Uh, he needs to develop a backhand chip. Slice return of serve. Um, not great in return during the rallies. It was like he was on and off. You know, there was times where he was looked great, times where he looked not so great. Um, really, the crucial point of the match for me why he won it was his serving in the big moments. He was able to not only locate his serve, but it was serving at a good pace, which meant effectively that Fritz was not able to really take advantage of a lot of the chances he had. Um, and Fritz couldn't replicate that, unfortunately, especially towards the end of the fourth and fifth sets. He just wasn't able to find his first serve. Sitsipas was able to get a look at the second serve. Um, and he was able to take his chances. So really, I think Fritz will look back on that as a missed opportunity. I think he had something like 15 break points. He was only able to convert 
few of them. You know, since the pass was like three out of five, so it just shows you he was more clinical despite creating less chances. Um, but since the pass for me, he's not a contender to win this as long as he does. As long as he has that return he's got at the moment, he's not going to win this tournament because he needs to develop a better backhand chip. He needs to develop a better backhand flat return as well. He needs to be more consistent on return in general. I, I mean, I really didn't expect his pass to get through. So, I mean, this actually. Die. This this really puts him up in my estimates. To be honest, uh, you know, I, I thought the surgery was the main thing this week, or the last this, these two weeks, I guess. If you're looking to the end of the tournament, I really didn't think he was thinking about getting to the quarters or yeah. beyond. He so, changed his strings from the ATP Cup as well. He's changed his string setup as well. Quite interesting. Interesting. So, maybe that maybe that's part of it then. I'll look into some stats for that. I would like to find out what the the difference mm. that's made. Maybe. Yeah. For sure. Looking ahead mm-hmm. to to. To end, Gav, just a few of the things to look forward to. Yeah. First thing, Monfils. Monfils hype. I hope he's not knackered, though, because he did look a bit knackered in his last match against Kekmanovic, even though he got through it in straight sets. He looked a wee bit knackered. I hope the Monfils has got the energy and is, you know, able to play a great match because um, he's been playing unbelievably well. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. if the match is probably love and one in the first two sets. I mean, he looked like a man possessed. My God. I was like, wow. Not seen him play that well for... That was a couple. mad, mad match, yeah. He was, was playing mad. so, so well. It was. It's crazy. I, I mean, Berrettini, if you're going to beat Berrettini, it probably isn't going to be too intense a match, even if it's quite a long one, at Short least. rallies. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, maybe there's there's that positive to look at. Mm-hmm. If he were to go further and it was Rafa or Schapo in the semis, I mean, I wouldn't really expect him to win, to be honest, but we can still no. sort of believe at this point. Unless Schapo beats Nadal and has a shocker. Which could happen. Yeah, that could happen. That's yeah. probably the only... The only scenario, yeah. Yeah, because there's no way Rafa's losing a semi to Monfils. Sorry. That just took the game right straight down. But yeah, you're right. You're it's right. totally fair. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, second one well, is the Rafa v. Schapel match. I mean, this could be one of the matches of the tournament easily. You can't tell whether it's going to be straight sets, four sets, or five sets. You know, it yeah, could be no, either of the scenarios. That's the anyway, anyway, actually. Because, I mean, Schapel's anyway. got as much chance of being on fire or... You know, patchy or just terrible. You know, the Australian Open organizers think that that should be the day session match and not the prime time night slot. I don't understand. Have they put it on day? It's three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Oh, that benefits. That benefits Rafa. It does. I know Big Craig Tiley's uh, scheduled it wrong again. Well, he's probably just a Rafa fan. (sighs) Yeah, Scott Morrison, the Church fan, and now Craig Tiley, the Rafa fan. I mean, Rafa hits high to Shapo's backhand. I suppose we saw it in Rome, and that's about as high as it can bounce, to be it's fair. From a viewing you know, point of view here, you'd think that would be the night session match, you know, the prime time uh, you know, slot, but, you know, surprise. Yeah. I, I, that honestly, it won't actually be why Rafa's on first, but it will benefit him a lot. percent you know, at the same time, if Schaff was playing well, we did see it in Rome. He was able to take the backhand early and avoid it when he could, and mm. it, it, it worked really well, to be fair. Yeah, uh, but, yeah that's, that, that's hard to do. He needs to be in the zone. So, I mean, he'll have to play even better than I would have thought he would have had to have played if he was playing at night. This is the round of any slam where Rafa has the worst record. Yep. 6-7. Yeah. Pro- so probably they'll know where he's got a losing record. I might be wrong about that, but Must yeah, be. yeah, that's six seven's not terrible, but generally struggles against informed players at the Australian Open. I so... do think Nadal's going to come through in five sets, so okay, yeah, yeah, I'll say Rafa in four. Okay. Center hype. Well, center hype's on. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm on the center train. Yeah, I thought he played unbelievable against Dimitrov today. 
Demon mm. played very, very good match as well. I mean, even though it's straight sets, I think Demon played just about as well as he could play. He's not got the firepower, let's be honest, but he was defending like really, really well. I mean, he was able his movement, his fitness, you know, really good signs from him because I know he struggled after getting COVID. You know, he wasn't quite the same player. I think he was struggling, but he's just recovering, getting over COVID. But um, you know, he looked back to his normal self. But I think Sinner was unbelievable. So. Who knows? Who knows how far it can go? It's going to be a good set of quarterfinals. A lot of good matches. Um, obviously, as well. Pick my pick to watch probably would be Chapel, Nadal, Medvedev. Yeah, get up at three a.m. Yeah, I probably will get, get up at three a.m. Coffee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've also got, I think, Redjikova keys could no, be brilliant. Interesting one to watch. Don't know what's going to happen in that yeah. one. Um, and if you really want to see the underdogs, slug it out. Collins v Corny could be interesting as well. Mm, for sure. Right, thanks very much for listening this far through. We'll be back next week with the updates and the finals and stuff like that. Please tune in then. If you want to catch any of Gav's work, you can go to Last Word on Tennis. If you yeah. want to catch any of my work, please go to jackedward.substack.com. Give us a follow on Twitter. Thanks very much, guys. We'll catch you next time in the Online Tennis Podcast. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers.